work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today we are going to be talking about Joe Biden's trip in Vietnam. We're going to talk about a couple of things that happened on 9-11 yesterday and, uh, you know, a whole host of things. Um, Joe Biden really dropped the ball on so many things, whether it's the... Whether it's the uh, hostage swap with Iran and the $6 billion release of funds to Iran, they were kind of being held and frozen by South Korea uh, to get five people. We, we exchanged five for their five, and, and then they got $6 billion to boot. On the same day, I mean, what, wasn't it last year uh, that we uh, pulled out, withdrew from Afghanistan and gave the power back to the Taliban, along with $85 billion worth of uh, military equipment. And also like on the anniversary or surrounding the anniversary of 9-11. Didn't Benghazi happen on 9-11 in 2012? And then, you know, it's almost like they're doing it on purpose. That they're catering to the worst of the worst and doing the... The worst foreign policy in the Middle East, no less, you know, and they're doing it on 9-11. 9-11, you know, I was thinking about 9-11 and, you know, it was just one of those things where that changed everything. That happened under the Bush dynasty, remember? The Clinton-Bush dynasty? Isn't that when that happened? And yet, they have nothing to say about it. Oh, we are just a victim. But we are not. These foreign policy decisions have consequences. And 9-11 didn't happen in a vacuum. Neither did, you know, this foreign policy that we are engaged in by these globalists this exploitation 
is what it's all what it's all about. You take a look at the kind of thing that's happening in Africa right now. All the conflict that's going on. You know, the West and the global tyranny, NATO, expansion and aggression. You know, um, it troubled me. The U.S. Open happened over the weekend. And they didn't even play a national anthem for either one of the championships finals. They don't care. And if you take a look at all the advertisers surrounding the U.S. Open with all these elitists sitting in the stands paying, you know, for their $1,500 and up tickets. And they sit there and they watch this tennis being played out. Meanwhile, they all hate Jokovic. And this was like, I had a liberal friend tell me, because she's a big fan of tennis. And I was in New York over the weekend. But she was like, yeah, this is the finals for uh, the hate finals or something like that, she said. And, and the reason why was because there was a Russian and a Serbian. But last I checked, incidentally, this week, coming up this week, is the United States is competing in the World Wrestling Championships. Freestyle, Greco-Roman, you know. Guess where it's going to be? It's going to be in Belgrade, Serbia. Who would have ever thought that you would want to live in Belgrade, Serbia, Serbia or Russia for freedom? But that is turning out to be the case because Croatia and Serbia and Russia and Hungary, those are the countries that are leading the world in freedom and liberty and justice. Unbelievable. Like the world is flipped upside down and on its head. Yes, China's always going to be bad. And Russia's never going to be perfect. But a lot of these other countries, these, these Eastern Europe countries, are turning out to be the, the bastions of freedom. It's uncanny. It's, it's really remarkable to see. When you take a look at the NATO aggression and how in the last 10 years, the NATO entries, the new NATO countries have been the countries most threatening to Russia. Yet, we don't want World War III with Russia. And Trump had always said, let's just try to get along with Russia. Why not make them part of the G7 and make it a G8? Bring them back. Why not, you know, um, let's not tell the lies of climate change for perpetual control of people. Because these globalists, they do not have the solution to what is right for the world. Depopulation is not the answer if you ask Elon Musk. And depopulation comes with a lot of problems with respect to civil liberties. And then you get this globalist thing. And if you talk to a globalist enthusiast, the globalist enthusiast will say, well, we streamlined the manufacturing, we streamlined the shipping lanes, we streamlined all of this stuff to make things more affordable. Well, I have a clip I'm going to play today that's going to show you that, no, we've been heading in the wrong direction for a long time. 
And this profit center is just sort of like ends up in Brussels all the time. And that's the thing is it's not true. The Democrats hated trickle down economics, even though Mark uh, Art Laffer and the Laffer curve and and uh, um, the economist Moore, um, they they all had a, a concept of trickle down economics, and trickle down economics sort of did work in the way that the Trump economy worked is if you raise the harbor, you raise all ships. The problem for liberals, and the reason why raising the harbor raises all ships doesn't work, is because they're constantly meddling in the organic nature of capitalism in the name of what? In the name of equity. As soon as you start to rig the outcome of an election or rig the outcome in the name of equity. It doesn't matter what how you stimulate the economy. And you could give money, you could just inject money into the economy and all you're going to do, Econ 101, is devalue the, 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 devalue the dollar. Devalue it which causes inflation, which is where we are right now. I mean, COVID was a monstrous weapon. Not only was it a bioweapon, but then the globalists took charge of it. They were in control of it. And they mandated that you take their poisonous vaccines. They mandated that you wear a mask and that you lock down. Meanwhile, they got five states in this new COVID, you know, thing going on, right? What's well, like, oh, COVID's coming back. We got to go to mail-in balloting again, right? And what's weird about it is the states that are actually the biggest states are Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, what else? Um, you know, all the states surrounding the border. Go figure. Right? Isn't that crazy? I'm trying to find that graphic. Right here it is. Yeah, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. COVID cases update. Map reveals five states with highest positive tests. So the Biden Mayorkas, uh, the Biden Mayorkas regime is obviously killing and infecting Americans, right? They're open borders. So the Biden Mayorkas open border is obviously killing and infecting Americans. They don't care about your health. They're going to make you wear a mask, but they're going to open the border. All these people coming in from Panama on their way up to the border, human trafficking, slave labor, corporate corporations are happy. Politicians are getting paid off to keep it up. This is what this is what we're up against, folks. I said this. It was a note that 
Evolution, the evolution of World Economic Forum politicians penetrating the cabinets. See, the World Economic Forum was established in 1971. Klaus Schwab working with King Charles, all the globalists, and no wonder UK is lost. Coupled with the evolution of big tech and the exploitation of wars and migration and their global corporate partnership monopolies, their power and control were always going to wind up in the wrong hands. Why? Because any time, and I think this is the case in human nature, you see this a lot with celebrity and and all kinds of things, but these people that are ill-equipped to handle the monopoly, the profit, the, 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 the money, they always crash and burn. They die, they, they die from drug addiction or they kill themselves in a fast car or whatever it is. They end up unhappy because they, they can't settle. They, can't, they, they lack the self-discipline to settle. You know, some of these celebrities can't, can't stay with just one person. They can't just be loyal and, 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 and uh, embrace fidelity. They, they go to infidelity because the options are, are there for them. And little do they know while they're doing it, while they're having that fun for that moment, that they're ruining their lives. And so... You know, it just requires self-discipline. It requires gratitude. It requires good parenting. It requires a whole host of things to help equip us with the right tools, the mental tools, to do right. You could look at sports figures that blow their money and end up poor, or all kinds of things. Music artists that always... You know, you ever see those shows behind the music? They always end up, you know, with a drug overdose. How many of our uh, of the greatest songwriters of our time, our, our generations, have ended up in drug-induced deaths? Well, I say that because globalism is very much the same thing. They have these unprecedented monopolies and this unprecedented wealth. And we're to believe that somehow all of these things are going to end up in the right hands. You take, for example, the Patriot Act. We all agreed that we would agree to a temporary infringement on our civil liberties so as to get to the bottom of the 9-11 crime, to get to the bottom of that terrorism, to get to the bottom of it, and to make sure it never happens again. And we trusted, we trusted George Bush. Little did we know what a globalist monster the Bush dynasty was. A lot of us knew, but some of us didn't know how bad it was back then, pre-Trump, pre-Obama, we didn't know what the Clintons were all about. We just thought that they were just sleeping with interns in the Oval Office. We didn't know that there were such sellouts and 
that the Clinton Foundation and the Gateway Initiative and Haiti and all these different partnerships between the Clintons and the Bushes and the Cheneys and the Halliburtons and the oil rigging and the and the mercenaries and the <clears throat> the the uh, payoff of terrorists and the black markets, the human trafficking, the pedophilia. We didn't know all about all of that stuff. We've learned a lot in the last 25 years, haven't we? But here we are. And we are to believe that these things aren't going to end up in the hands of evil doers, evil people. But the Patriot Act, we were warned by the liberals at the time that the Patriot Act was going to, and the ACLU was everywhere on this. They're nowhere to be found when it comes to J6 incarcerations. But the ACLU is all over Bush on the Patriot Act. And they said only temporary and not to uh, spy or eavesdrop or wiretap Americans. Only international felons or terrorists. And then it became that, you know, we heard from James Clapper that everybody was being tapped. Everybody in America, metadata, they called it. And then you, you take it to the COVID pandemic, right? Oh, 15 days to slow the... Oh, okay, sure, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do it to help out. We'll try to do our best. They lied to us. They turned it into a social credit score scheme, a central bank digital currency scheme. They turned it into lying about the efficacy of masks. They said you couldn't even take ivermectin because they wanted the profit margins to go to Pfizer and Moderna so that they could sit on the panel of the World Economic Forum and advance their climate change initiatives. It sounds crazy. Tom Clancy could have thought this up. But this is where we are. And these drunk on power, Klaus Schwab's and George Soros's of the world are the same train wrecks that we we saw with anything else. They can't handle the power. They were never duly elected. They don't have to answer to anybody. And so therefore, we are in this hot mess. We are in a hot mess where the power belongs to the corporate corporations who benefit from the politicians And the relationship between the two has been very prosperous for those in power and very costly to those in the middle class working every single day to pay their taxes to these monsters that are wreaking havoc. And it's things have not gotten better. They've gotten worse. You know, like when I read this chart and I look at this map and I see Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and Oklahoma and Louisiana and Arkansas being the most infected with this latest release of COVID, you wonder why it is that they won't close the border. When the fentanyl comes pouring through, when the slave labor becomes exploited and all these nurses and and blue-collar workers are losing their ability to get an entry-level job and work their way up uh, the, Amer- the American ladder for the American dream. 
They're messing with our so their social engineering with people, and they're playing with people's lives by moving people all around. They want the gold and the cobalt and the nickel and all the precious metals in Africa, so they make life impossible to live there so that these people will become refugees or exodus the region so that they don't defend their land, and they exploit them with a brochure and a pamphlet a cell phone and a few uh, and thousands of dollars in rent to get them acclimated so that they could actually infect your children's education, rape your children, break into your homes. And you're the one that has to deal with it because you're the one that's not allowed to have a wall. Nancy Pelosi has a wall around her mansion, but nobody else is allowed to have one. And you end up with these blue states that used to be red. New Mexico is now using the health crisis, not the health crisis you might be thinking. Because, yes, they are having a lot of COVID now because... The COVID's coming from around the world and coming back into our southern border, our open border. But you get this governor of New Mexico. And because she's defunded the police and is weak on crime and you got George Soros DAs everywhere allowing criminals out on the streets, they create the mess and then they put it out with their own solution to their own agenda. How do you like them apples? And so here she is, can't control the crime in New Mexico, which is behavioral. The gun doesn't pull its own trigger. It's the behavior of a person that does. And meanwhile, she sits there and she uses a state of emergency act to suspend your civil liberties, your civil rights, and basically says you cannot have a right to bear arms for at least 30 days while I declare a state of emergency. And here she is. This is just incredible, folks. You took but oath. your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception, and that is... If there's an emergency, oh. I've declared an emergency. So, so if the emergency allows you to suspend, uh, to, ga- to gain power, then you'll create the emergency to get the power that you want. See, for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights 
are subrogated to theirs. And they are not. In my- so they're using the, fi- you know, the uh, fire in the fire, uh, th- fire in a theater uh, concept again, just like they did with COVID. And they're calling this gun crisis a health crisis. Can you believe it? Trust the science. My view. Uh, wait a minute. Okay. You're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are there right got, but, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam Governor, yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. <laughs> no. So it's not going to solve the problem one iota <laughs> because the law-abiding citizens are going to have the uh, have be defenseless while the criminals that are killing everybody are going to actually be more empowered. That's how stupid the Democrats are. Unbelievable levels of stupidity. And they just don't see it. They're just too blind. So Colin Rugg writes this, uh, because Kevin McCarthy's office in the House of Representatives got lamb-blasted by a bunch of LBGBTRYs, um, Qs, um, says breaking far left activists have stormed U.S. Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office. A very sad day for democracy. Will they be thrown in prison for years on end for this? The radical activists stormed McCarthy's office to riot in favor of a five year reauthorization of PEPFAR, a program that addresses the HIV AIDS epidemic. When Democrats do this, they are occupying. If Trump supporters do this, they are traitors. And so they raided his office, prevented him from doing his duties, and yet they're going to go and walk home and sleep in their beds tonight. This was absolutely disgraceful. Peter Ducey asked the White House why Joe Biden didn't commemorate 9-11. And they basically said, 22 years after Pearl Harbor... And uh, we're not still going to visit Hawaii. Well, uh, our focus the last couple of days has been on President Biden here in South Asia. And when I asked a White House official why it is that President Biden was here and missing the 9-11 commemorations at the attack sites, the analogy that I was given is that 22 years after Pearl Harbor, U.S. presidents were not still going to visit Hawaii. Well, how lame is that, right? And then meanwhile, this is sad, U.S. Open, dump, uh, US Open dumps the Star Spangled Banner for finals matches. Um, that was according to Breitbart. Biden admin OK's transfer of $6 billion in Iranian funds for prisoner exchanges. That uh, was reported in just the news. I already talked about that today. Oh, here, this is unbelievable. Um this is uh, Joe Biden. They cut his mic because he was he had a, he was getting sleepy and he had to go to bed. Let's take a listen. It wasn't confrontational at all. You can't thank, thank you, everybody. This ends the count press thank conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's absolutely stunning. And here, Joe Biden is in Anchorage, Alaska, fueling up, and gives a heartfelt speech 
uh, about 9-11. Not really. But he lies about where he was. To renew our sacred vow, never forget. Never forget. We never forget. Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day the and next looking day. at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, from where you could stand. The next day. Well, he was there a week later. All right. Um, we got one more clip of, uh, and then I have something else to, to, to get into. Um, let's see. I had, I had, oh, I think it's right here. No. All right. So, so basically though, Joe Biden, uh, lied about that. Oh, here's the sleepy remark. Let's take a listen to this. And guess what? In addition to helping the environment overall, and the only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than a, than a nuclear war. Oh. This is another clip. This is one where he compares global warming. He says global warming is worse than a nuclear war. Overall, and the only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than a, than a nuclear war, is global warming going above 1.5 degrees in the next 20, 10 years. And we're in real trouble. There's no way back from that. And guess what? In addition to helping the environment overall, and the only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than... All right. Sorry about that, folks. I made a little bit of a mistake there. But that, that, that clip also is just ridiculous. It just goes to show you the propaganda and the lies surrounding climate change. We got, a, we got more on that as well. But Sleepy Joe Biden tells Vietnam press conference, I'm going to bed. Just like I would trying to figure out what to do about the particular crisis we're having now. But I don't think it's a crisis relating to conflict between China and the United States. As a matter of fact, I think it's less likely to cause that kind of conflict. Uh, I don't, uh, anyway, I, I just think that there are other things on leaders' minds and they respond to what's needed at the time. And look, nobody likes having celebrated international meetings if you don't know what you want at the meeting, if you don't have a game plan. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed just like I would. Wow, what a loser. Meanwhile, President Trump was out throwing uh, throwing footballs and, and flipping burgers at the Iowa uh, football game over the weekend. A lot of different, the, uh, much different energy. All right, so we want to get to climate change and stuff. He just compared climate to um, a nuclear war. Let's take a listen to this. Fast, what percent of our atmosphere is CO2? Take your best guess. You don't have to be accurate. All down the line. Repeat that question. 
What percent of our atmosphere is CO2, carbon dioxide? Wild guess. It's okay. I'll bite. Five percent. Five. I'll just follow you then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, uh, that's my favorite number. I'll see there five and um, suggest that we know that transportation causes 49% of CO2. So that's why we're all working on okay. energy transition. All right. So what number do you think it is? Eh, five. Five? How about you? I didn't hear you, Mr. Oh, Dreher. Seven. Seven. Did you have one, uh, Mr. Boyd? So we got a five, seven. Uh, this price is right. Eight. I'm going to hit the high end. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I don't mean to I put you on ice. I ask a lot of people that because all we hear is climate change, climate change, CO2, CO2. I heard a couple of you on the panel saying you're looking to change your vehicles to electric, even though we don't have the electric grid. And me as a farmer, I wouldn't be real happy about running out and replacing $300,000, $500,000, million-dollar pieces of equipment because someone wants, someone wants it to be electric. The answer is 0.04%, not 1%, not a half of a percent. It's 0.04%, and it's gone up from 0.03 over the last couple decades. This is what we're being all contorted into doing is this tiny change in CO2. If we go, if we get below 0.02, plant life starts dying off. So, so you need CO2 <laughs> a little bit. 0.02 is the minimum to sustain life. And talk about, okay, that's climate, right? And we can go all day on climate, right? But we have a bunch of little clips I want to share with you. This is the guy from Croatia, Mislav Kolak-Kusik. Doesn't mince his words to the EU parliament. And this was just recent that he said this. This is great. All right, so let's take a listen to this minute-long clip. You're going to love this. I would like uh, shortly to wear um, a people from up. Oh, by the way, just nothing for nothing. But we just we just heard, you know, we just read the report and we talked about it last week. Belgrade, Serbia had a parade to celebrate family, the, nu- the nuclear family. That's instead of gay pride, you know, parades, they were having parades to celebrate family. Hungary, Viktor Orban, we played a long clip last week about him and his interview with Tucker, where he talked about Trump is going to save, could, is needed to save the world and the Ukrainian conflict and avoid World War III. He did that. But when he originally came to power, he also had this plan to, to pay families who were married that had their first child and give them a $35,000 nest egg for that child. And when you think about the math associated with that, to promote family, you think about the money there. That child's going to grow up to be a proud Hungarian, probably better off because they have a little extra money, and they're going to end up paying that a level of that $35,000 back to the state in taxes. So it's a windfall for Hungary. But let's take a listen to this guy from Croatia. Shortly to there um, are people from upcoming uh, danger for humanity. The World Health Organization wants all countries to sign an agreement on handing over the authority to declare a pandemic, procure vaccine and drugs. It will be healthier and safer 
for humanity to sign agreement with the Colombian drug cartel. They know all about drugs for sure. During the COVID pandemic, World Health Organization only told lies. It should be declared a terroristic organization. They lie. That is a new and known virus. That is possible to make an effective vaccine. That the vaccine is 82% effective. That is protects against serious illness and deaths. That all, of course, were foolish and lies. Today, World Health Organization is more dangerous for humanity than World Economic Forum. Wow, and that's a high benchmark, right? He compared the World Health Organization to the World Economic Forum. Now, check this out. $6.2 billion accounting error in Ukraine, $5.5 billion to rebuild Lahaina. You wonder why they... What they're doing with the $6.2 billion they just lost? Maybe it's because they're building these smart cities, and we're going to get to that here in a second, too. We discovered inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine. This is the Pentagon. For a combined total of $6.2 billion. Let's listen to that again. This is the Pentagon, okay? $6.2 billion. Your tax dollars at work right here. We discovered inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine. Equipment valuation. Whoops. Whoops. We discovered... R- remember, that is 62... That's... That's... Uh, what is that? That's uh, 6,200 millionaires. 6.2 billion. That's, that's given a million dollars to 6,200 people. Inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine for a combined total of $6.2 billion. Yeah, well, that's the meme. All right, so there it is, right? That's the corruption in Ukraine. And then um, you have... Well, we have a lot of different audio clips that I want to play today. All right, so we're going to go ahead and play the... uh, Whoops. So I'm I'm missing the clip that I want, actually. Uh, Let's see. I, I thought I had it. But we're going to go ahead and cover a little bit more of this. Well, the Ukraine thing was um and the lies associated with these things the smart city oh that's right okay the smart city i lost my train of thought for a second all right here we go so you know when they talk about these smart cities this is kind of an interesting thing this blade runner update on london Okay, London is like ground zero for this. Footage of a man calmly dismantling the ULEZ cameras that the government put up to catch drivers using vehicles across the capital. Any gas vehicle older than 2006 will be fined $12.50 each day. Also, diesel vehicles before 2015 are forced to pay. Let's take a listen. All right, 
this this is the clip here. You may have heard that in Wales there is a new law going to be enforced that says where there was formerly 30 miles an hour, the default speed setting in those 30 mile an hour zones will be 20 miles an hour. I don't know if you've ever driven your car at 20 miles an hour, but it literally feels as if you're going backwards. They say the idea is to lower noise emissions and to encourage people to cycle or to take public transport to recognise that a car isn't the fastest option. I mean, the absurdity of all of that rationale is obvious, but like, what are people going to do? Drive up to the 20 miles an hour zone, park their car, get out, walk that bit, and then what? Realise that they've left their car the other side of it. How does this work for the elderly who can't walk or bicycle wherever they feel like it? And what about mums with small kids in strollers? Are they supposed to just, what, throw them on their shoulder and get on the bike? I also think it's really disingenuous to keep kind of explaining this stuff away with false rationale that has nothing to do with the real reason behind it. I heard a lady on the radio say, well, if fuel prices can continue to go up, people will be put off from using their cars. And that's exactly the point. That's the real strategy behind all of this, to make it as inconvenient as possible to use your car in order that you change your behavior and we begin the process of taking away the right to own a private vehicle here in the UK. I believe and I believe it's absolutely the strategic plan that nobody in the UK will own a private car within five years. I don't believe you will have the right to do that. It also helps explain things like 20, 30 miles of restricted speeds on motorways. People asking, why is it 60 miles an hour? Why is it 50 miles an hour? And you'll be told, oh, emissions or greener targets. But in fact, it's all about dissuading you from using the private vehicle. And for people who say, oh, yes, but electric's the answer. Not one day it won't be because there will be a countrywide electric fleet. You will have to summon it using an app and eventually that will be restricted as well. Going back to COVID and that whole restricted radius that you were allowed to live in five kilometres from your home address, it's not too hard to see how that was some early conditioning for a time when not only do you not have the freedom to own a vehicle, not only do you not have the freedom to drive, but you no longer have the freedom to go more than five kilometres from your home address. And undoubtedly, you'll have had to have earned social credits in order to be able to do exactly that. Wales is just another glimpse of this bigger strategic plan that's in play. So you're in a corral, <clears throat> treated like a farm animal. How, how does that make you feel? Warm and fuzzy? They got this graph. It says firearm homicide rate per, per 100,000. And blacks are at about 20%. U.S. Hispanics are at 6.4%. Finland is at 3.3%. And they have a higher cap per capita rate of gun ownership. Austria... 2.8%, France, 2.6%, Canada, 1.8%, Czech Republic, 1.7%. It keeps going down, you see. Czech Republic, 1.7%. Guess what? U.S. white people, 
So it says, does America have a gun problem? If U.S. whites are 1.7% and Czech, it matches the Czech Republic and Canada, which is all white, practically France, Austria, Finland, all white countries. And then U.S. Hispanic is up 64 But then you got this black population that's 20 in this graph. Firearm homicide rate per 100,000. I said the graph below clearly illustrates that a gun is not the problem. Single-parent homes, victim-class liberal politics, including divisive equity, equity, not equality, equity, soft-on-crime Soros DAs, DAs, district attorneys, and defund-the-police agendas are clearly the problem. Clearly. And that's that. All right. I got one more. Uh, this this is uh, the climate hoax. Make paid disinformation globalists like Kerry and Gore rich because they, the climate regulations they promote restrict expensive labor manufacturing in Western G7 nations while si- signing climate agreements that allow BRICS nations like China to use their citizens as cheap slave labor. Some of the global corporate part profits wind up in the pockets of politicians and media who support their false claims. You take a listen to this. Nonsense. A 75% chance Al Gore. that the entire North Pole rise during summer, during some of the summer yeah, months could be completely ice-free within the next five to seven years. You have sea ice, which is melting at a rate that the Arctic Ocean now increasingly is exposed. In five years, scientists predict we will have the first ice-free Arctic Wrong summer. Again. Yeah, Arctic summer. Yeah, okay, right. All right, so here we go. Now, globalism is supposed to be good for you, right? Let's take a listen to this. Globalism is supposed to be great. During the Great Depression, houses were three times the average salary. Today, it's eight times. Cars were 46% of the yearly salary. Today, it's 85%. Rent only took 16% of the annual salary. Today, it's 42%. During the Great Depression. Yeah, some ask whether are already whether we are already in an unrecognized silent recession or worse. That is being hidden by um, massage data from the government. Yeah, of course. They figured out ways to manipulate. I want to get into something else, uh, the misinformation that's going on. Let's take a listen to this woman. Speaking on a World Economic Forum panel, head of the United Nations Department of Global Communications, Melissa Fleming, brags about collaborating with Google to censor search results that run counter to the human induced global boiling narrative we own the science and we think that the world should know it believe it it's educating it's hopefully elevating the content that you know we partnered with google for example if you google climate change you will at the top of your search you will get all kinds of un resources we started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we googled climate change we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top so we we're becoming much more proactive um, you know we own the science and we think that the world 
you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Yeah. Well, uh, they own the science. They own the media. They own everything. These are liberals, communists, Marxists, socialists, globalists that are controlling every aspect of our media. This was one of the best uh, sound bites I've heard in a long time. Uh, we wanted, I wanted to get to, to Ken Paxton. We're going to cover that tomorrow. Ken Paxton, um, to talk about how they're trying to turn Texas blue and what he was doing to you know, promote certain things. I'm going to go ahead and put that off till tomorrow. But today, we are going to listen to this clip. Stop what you're doing right now and watch this uh, in its entirety. Okay, so hear it. President Trump, this is a black woman in Fulton County, Georgia. President Trump has done so much for the black community, and this woman's testimony is powerful. This was one of the best. I I want you guys to hear it. It's super powerful. And uh, we're going to go ahead and listen to it right now. So black woman speaking out in a public forum in Fulton County in Atlanta. And she calls out Kim Kardashian, all kinds of stuff. This woman was absolutely stunning. Let's take a listen. When it comes to President Donald Trump, I want to say this because a lot of people accuse this man of being a racist. And I just want to say that I met President Donald Trump working on criminal justice reform. I, too, was one of the ones that said, no, I don't want to go talk to that man. I don't know him. He he hates black people. That's what they said. And so they said, well, Angela, he's working on criminal justice reform. You have a story. Many of you may or may not know that I served time in a Georgia state prison. And while I was serving time in that prison, I was pregnant. And when it was time for me to deliver my baby, I was transported to a hospital here in Georgia by a police officer and I was chained to a bed and I was forced to give birth to my baby with a sheriff watching for a nonviolent crime. Also separated from my family for a nonviolent crime. But you know the Democrats say we only supposed to fight for the family separation at the border. They forgot all about the family separation in the border. They want Trump to apologize for the CP5, but they ain't demanded that Joe Biden apologize for the 94 crime bill. But that's something else. I had a story. They told me that this man was a racist, but I had a story and I knew that if I could use my story to convince this man that there was a need to reform our criminal justice system, then I would do that. I wasn't going to be worried about emotions. I wasn't going to be worried about the media. I wasn't going to worry about the naysayers. I was going to go in with my story and see if I could make a difference. I found myself sitting in front of President Trump in the Oval Office and I shared my story. This is the man that they told me was a racist. I don't know. I'm scared to death. Is he going to hang me? I don't know. Is he going to call the KKK the way that the media has betrayed it? I'm in a danger zone. Just so happened that he heard my story. Not only did he pass the First Step Act, but he also made it illegal for them to chain women to the bed during their childbirth. This white man that they told me was a racist, they told me he hated black people. So not only did he just sign one of the most historic 
forms of criminal justice reform legislation to ever hit this nation, overturning the 94 crime bill that massively incarcerated black America, freeing nearly 20,000 people to this day. The First Step Act, I sat in the Oval Office with a lot of criminal justice reform advocates. I saw Kim Kardashian on the front page taking her pictures. I saw Alice Johnson. I saw Louis, uh, Louis Reed. I saw Van Jones. I saw Jessica Jackson. I saw, uh, what's her name? Vivica Fox. I saw Isaiah Washington. But I don't see any of them here today. A lot of people want to take a lot of credit for being criminal justice reform experts criminal justice reform advocates, but to tell the truth, you didn't free nobody, Trump did. Kim Kardashian had the nerve to put up a tweet to say free Gunna. Gunna is a YSL rapper tied to the Young Thug case charged with Rico, the same DA, the same charges. You put up a tweet and say free a known gangster in Atlanta, Georgia, but you won't put up a tweet and say free President Trump. And the only reason you getting any credit for freeing anybody is because President Donald J. Trump signed the papers. As a criminal justice reform advocate, somebody that's grateful to President Donald Trump for giving me a second chance, giving me an opportunity to run for Congress by clearing my record. Somebody who was completely oblivious to the corruption that happens in Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to do something for my community. I refuse to be silent. Not only will I stand for Atlanta, Georgia, not only will I stand for America, not only will I stand for the babies being aborted in the womb, not only will I stand for the mothers that choose life, I'm also going to stand with President Donald Trump. Wow. That was pretty, pretty incredible right there. That was absolutely stunning. And it ended perfectly uh, because that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Please check out magapac.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Every day that we do this show, the Scott Adams Show, and we try to do it commercial free. And that's what we're doing. Thanks to your donations over at magapac.org. So we thank you for that. And also... Uh, when you go over to MyPillow.com, use Red State as your promo code, and that comes back to us one way or the other. We get a little commission on that. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.